This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the How Do You Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do You Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with my wife, Erin Finley. Every year in February, we chat about our own relationship and some of the key aspects that we work on to continue to improve our relationship with one another. In this discussion, we break down several themes that we believe cause stress within couples and how you can frequently reflect on these themes to improve your own relationship with yourself and your partner. One of the themes, having unrealistic expectations of your significant other, we have found to be a recurring problem, both within our own relationship as well as witnessing it in others around us. Tune into this episode to hear how we manage to use our problems as fuel to become better together. And please give it up for my wife, Erin Finley. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. And today I have my wife, Erin Finley, on with us because... It's February and Valentine's Day is coming up and I'm somewhat of a, of a romantic. She knows this going all the way back to when we were 10 years old and I would write poems and things of that nature. So I wanted to welcome you here today as we're sitting on our sweats in on our couch. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good. I think it's funny that we always have a podcast around Valentine's Day. I think last year I talked about how I actually really don't like Valentine's Day. I still don't really like it, but I think it's a good time. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it, last year, I think I talked a little bit about this, but like back when we were kids and you have to get Valentines for people, you know, in your class, I hated that. You know? Why? I don't know. I guess that's what, I like, was I'm like, trying to think like why, what, what instilled in me I to like, like, like it. I hated like the Candy Graham situation. I didn't like the whole, like, I don't know. It just kind of singles people out if you, if you don't have a. A Valentine. I guess you're pressured to show up for everybody. Did that? I have no like? idea what. It, I don't know. I just. I'm glad I don't have to give little Valentine cards in a in a mailbox anymore. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, that's why I liked it. Is you one got free candy. I think why is that? I don't know. And then two, you literally just got to give out free candy to people. So it was an opportunity to literally just have candy, have candy, have fun. <laughs> With your friends and yeah, maybe win a candy gram from somebody special. Remember those? Yeah, I didn't like it. Why? I don't know. Did you get sent any I candy hate, grams? Oh, I don't like surprises. That's one thing. You know that. All right. So why is that? I just don't. All right. So we're going to spruce <laughs> this up. The whole topic of this episode is going to talk about relationships and why Aaron and I think some do well and some fail. And it's predicated on a couple of themes that we have laid out here. And what we're hoping is that you take some of this information and reflect on it and instill it into your own life, but also maybe learn from some of the stories that we have of ourselves in our relationship and times that we've struggled versus times that we have thrived. So I would love for you to kind of 
kick it into high gear here and maybe outline what we're going to be talking about here today? Yeah, I think something that both of us actively do within our relationship, I mean, we've known each other since we were 12 or however old, and being you married- You say this, 10. We were 10, okay. fifth okay. grade. Let me get it straight this year, once and for all. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we've known each other. We've been friends for our, practically our whole lives. And in a marriage, it reveals just a whole new layer of being human with one another because I think it's the ultimate connection and, and intertwinement of your lives, right? And I think individually, we have these expectations of ourselves and of our partners. And when there's a little bit of mismatch between that, it can cause some problems. So I think the purpose of today is going to be a little bit about what we've experienced in our own life with our relationship and how we tend to have conversations to overcome that, how we're constantly on this like growth journey to establishing our best marriage and relationship with one another. And then just like observations and expectations around society today and, um, how the world has changed so much in this lens of dating and relationships and just some of our thoughts on the whole thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about a couple themes that we have around why relationships can sometimes have struggles and how to kind of correct that from a reflection standpoint. So I'm going to kick it off with one of the first themes that we were talking about, which is around expectations. You called it fantasy expectations, but I think this has really two parts. One is if you're single and you're looking for someone and two is when you're actually in a relationship and you have expectations. I'm going to start with the latter because I am somebody that is in a relationship with you. Obviously we're married and I've caught myself many times feeling a certain way. And when I boil it all down to why I'm feeling that way, it's because I had this expectation that wasn't met. And this can be as small as a very little thing where like you come home and you're expecting a certain response from your partner. Like you do sometimes give where, the, give the example where like I come home, I drive a commute to work. I'm like, ha I had a long day. You're sitting there doing your work here on the computer. And I just come in and I like barely acknowledge you. So that's, that's your expectation that I'm going to be like, hello, hi, it's so great to see you. And like, I should be like that. But sometimes we get in our own heads and we are just consumed. So I think that that that's one little expectation and on the grand scheme, bigger expectation. But there's something to break down there. You set even an expectation for how I think the expectation should be. The expectation that I have isn't that you come in and you be this warm, jolly person. It's literally just to say hello. So you just acknowledged that not only do you have the expectation of your own frame of lens, but you're now setting expectations for the other person expecting something from you. That's another huge problem of expectation where we think that other people want something a certain way from us and that causes stress. Yeah, I think so. I, I was thinking in, in terms of this topic, though, one of the ways that this can lead to a bigger problem is when you have expectations that someone will generally be a certain way in your partnership, and that's just not how they are. So for us, and this has been a lot of unraveling for me when I think about our relationship, is... Like, obviously, we've connected over many things and we work because we're very different. And while the differences can sometimes cause a little bit of tension at times because we're still understanding how each other processes certain things and views life, I think that sometimes we expect the other person to be a little bit more like who we are. And an example of that would be like you are on the extreme opposite spectrum of me when it comes to, I don't want to say personality in a nutshell, but your day to day is so much more self solo venture focused where you're an entrepreneur having conversations. Where's this going with expectation? Come on. 
it's going to the point where like, I love that about you, how you're so different in that lens and that that brings this whole new element of excitement to our life. But when it comes to like the small things, like how you show up in our house and like RMS and, <laughs> and then those, those But we were ways, talking about this the other day. Like now you're setting, like, what is the bar? Like if you, so the example is she thinks I'm a mess, but then we go into another arena and we see a real mess and she's like, oh, wow, you're not, you're really not that bad compared to X, Y, Z. So like, what is the bar? You're setting yeah, fantasy I, yeah, expectation. Yeah, exactly. There is no bar. So I think that that's a good one. So what I'm working on is like, okay, yeah, maybe there's some areas of improvement we can make, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like having that perspective to be like, okay. Or it's taking ownership and saying, you know what? I will handle this. This area of our lives, I will handle. Yeah, Here's what I need from you. Right. Like, so that would be a better approach because it's that, never going to change yeah, to a certain extent. A way that we've kind of overcome that, like the example I'm using is around like laundry and cleaning up and things like that. And like, there are some ways that you help out with that, but other ways where I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't the way I'm envisioning it to be done. So I'm just going to, do it. And then your, your job and role in our house is something else. So we've, we've kind of outlined. Yeah. I, I think as we grow into the next phases of our life, I think just the responsibility shift and that's where we're just learning these things. Cause this is our first house. Like it's one of those things that like, this is yeah. the first house we have to take care of. So fortunately, knock on wood, we haven't had anything drastic happened to this home outside of that storm last year. And I had to take care of that. But as homes get a little bit more rustic, like there's things that I'm going to have to be doing that I know I'm going to have to be doing that I'm hoping one day you appreciate outside of me leaving my boxers and my clothes wherever. Um, so food and I want to move into (laughs) food, whatever. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Fantasy expectation, I think I like to start with the end in mind. And I think the number one fantasy expectation I see people have is on marriage in itself. And I think it's something that prior to even being married, we talked a lot about like, do we even want to be married? Like, what do we believe marriage is? And Aaron and I both saw a lot of failed, broken marriages around us. And we had really, there was no one we looked up to. And that made us question marriage in the first place. But the ultimate conversation I think we had was, okay, well, if there's no marriages we look up to, why don't we be the ones that we look up to ourselves? And how do we go about doing that? And one of the ways that we go about doing that is understanding what do you want out of your relationship so you don't set fantasy expectations on what our marriage is going to become. And I think that is a struggle that I see both males and females, they want their relationship, but they're not thinking about all these other things that come into play with marriage. And I think- Such as? A great example is like, I'm swiping on Tinder or Bumble or whatever, right? And we're like, let's go to the bars. Now for a short-term relationship, if that person likes the bars, then okay, great. But is the person you're marrying, like what is their core values, their core beliefs? If you're thinking about, okay, I'm in my 30s and marriage is something that I'm thinking about. I want to find a significant other that means enough to me to marry them. Where is that person truly? They're not going to be in the certain area of your ego where you're just trying to find that short-term fix. And I think when we're talking about fantasy expectations, we set ourselves up to fail by going to the bar and then expecting that person to change overnight to become the person that's I'm going to bring home to mom and marry and have my kids. Like that's the disconnect that I see a ton of people have. And I'm not saying, let me make it very clear. If you go to the bar and you, I'm just generally labeling like partying every single week or doing things that I would say is a different phase of your life. Like, well, I think, I think what you're trying to say is, you take a piece of who you are and assume that that's going to extrapolate to some other grand aspect of somebody else. Like if, if that, if how you show up to find a person is like one little aspect of you, like you're not, you're not showing up in enough ways. You get what I'm saying? Like 
I think we have to think if you're trying to find someone and this is a little bit off topic from where we were going, but this is a good point. Like we've talked about this before. If you want to find someone that's compatible with all that you are, you should be all that you are in a public way. You have to reduce your ego. And this theme is fantasy expectations. Like we're holding these fantasy expectations of those people, but not of ourselves. We're expecting to go to the bar, find our prince or princess. They're going to change and then we're going to be happily married versus it starts with setting expectations of ourselves. Like I'm going to say no to these certain things and that's going to allow room for yes to who I need to become to attract that person that I, I believe I could marry someday. And this goes right into, which is perfect, the next kind of theme, which is settling which is fear of being alone. I'm trying to check society's boxes. I'm overwhelmed by choices out there. So I settle for whatever's around me. And maybe what's whatever around you is the friends you've always had are doing the same things that you've always done rather than expanding. What is your thoughts on the whole settling, people settling for less than they actually deserve? Well, I think that that goes down to like, defining what you deserve and like what you actually want in somebody. And maybe people don't do that enough. And I think for us, we knew that we weren't settling because we both had really clear visions of what we wanted our future to look like with a person. And so that in itself makes it really clear when somebody isn't that, you know, and I think we were willing to get over some of the things that are obviously going to be little struggles along the way because we're willing to grow and and help the other person grow as well because we know that ultimately like the path that we're on is what we both want and we want to be that together and I think the settling in itself comes down to just fear I think people especially in today's day and age like when there are so many choices one that's overwhelming so people don't want to continue this like search it's overwhelming. It's exhausting. It's not how you want to live. And then two, it's this fear of, well, if this isn't what I think I ultimately deserve, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to sacrifice like the good pieces of this for potentially not finding what I think I deserve. I think that's the bigger yeah, the, reason. The choices thing is a very interesting way to look at it because with technology we have access to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of more people than we did even, I would say, 10 to 20 years ago. It's a whole different ballgame. And this creates a problem. It's great for a lot of reasons, but it creates not only a problem in finding a relationship, but then also keeping a relationship. Because now, let's say you're in, we're, we're married, right? Now that you're you're in a marriage Say you got married 20 years ago just because of that you had a small access to a pool of people, Mm -hmm. but now you see all these other people and it's like the grass is greener, like the gold, the pot of gold is somewhere else. Or you're starting to create a relationship or trying to create a relationship and there's so much information out there and people out there that like you said, if it's a left or a right choice, it's a lot easier than being like left straight right straight, right back. Right. And I think, and this goes back to what I said in the beginning about this, which is you have to be really clear with what you want to find in a lifelong partner or your next relationship if you're if you're not looking for marriage yet. And disconnect your mind and perception from what society or the norm might suggest you'd want. And I think that's that's huge. And for me, that was huge. And I think that this is a big problem as well, where people settle because that person that they're with might check boxes on society's checklist and maybe their checklist that they have in their head because they haven't forced themselves to think, what do I really want in my heart? And I think that that stops a lot of people from waiting. The checklist word is an interesting thing. Do you think that 
it's 50-50 on males creating checklists versus females creating checklists? I don't, I, and maybe let's not call it a checklist, but you're thinking like, okay, is this, does this person have like stability? Are they somebody that I could bring around my friends? Are they somebody that my family would think highly of? Are they somebody that is going to support me and like love me? But even if you say yes to all those things, like, do you actually really love that person? Are you like like feeling it in your heart or cause there's a lot of people that you could well, what answer those questions like? to. What does it feel like? And I think that's what you have to, it feels like sometimes you're willing to put up with like the hard because it's, it's worth the feeling of, I don't know how to describe it actually, but I think for us, it's this attachment that we just want to be with that other person and mold our life around each other. Like, I can't imagine going through life without you. Um, and it's not just because of superficial reasons. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Aaron. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Aaron Finley. Yeah, it's such a vulnerable and individual feeling because the way we give and receive love is almost different for every single human being out there. And I think a lot of people settle for love based on how they've been given it in their past and they don't know themselves enough to understand how to communicate the love that they actually want and need to become their best self. And when I think about love for me and I think about settling, I was settling prior to you for, I would say, face value love, attention, rather than really diving deep and saying, who is the type of person that is going to challenge me throughout life so that when I am hopefully make it into very old age and I look back and say, I left it all out there and this other person helped me, inspired me, motivated me, challenged me, helped yeah. me, supported me. And yeah, like, when I started thinking like you? that, that person? Yeah. yeah, in those small micro moments, my previous relationships were not that. And I think we fortunately, one, we met each other at a very young age, but then we also started our real relationship, as I would call it, in our mid-20s earlier than other people. But I've always dialed into why do I think we found each other then and what was the differentiating factor. And I think the number one factor was we both didn't want to settle. And we talked about that. And we both were very straight up with each other saying, hey, these are the expectations I have for myself first. And here's what I have the expectation of of a relationship. I want to be with somebody that's going to press the gas our entire life. Is that something that you are willing to jump on board with? And I want somebody that's independent for my entire life. I think that goes along too really well with the next theme that we we talked about covering here, which is around like dependency and not tying your happiness and yourself into that person. So not making the other person your everything. And we both knew that individually we'd be fine if 
we decided that we weren't going to be together, but that we would just continue on what we wanted to do for ourselves and like independently have our own passions and adventures and whatever. But together we've decided that that path is so much more fulfilling to do with somebody who shares it with you and who's willing to grow and push you and challenge you and love you the whole way. And so I think another thing that people need to ask themselves is, you know, are you tying your happiness to solely your partner? I think it's a tough topic because when people think of dependence, what do you think of? Like we think of these very toxic, bold things where it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not dependent on that person. Like that's the natural instinct. If someone was like, you're dependent on that person, they'd be like, oh, like no, I make my own money. I do things on my own. What I think we're really trying to describe here is I want to convey more of the little ways that people become dependent on each other. And I think a lot of people don't self-reflect on that because again, I think it goes back to expectations. I think the general theme of this is going to be lowering your expectations of needing things from people. And I think that stems from, this is a whole nother conversation we can go into, but when you're a child of needing attention and love and then breaking through that as an adult. And for me, when I think of dependency, it's we as humans remember what it was like to be dependent as a kid. And then again, this is my point of view, so I'd love to hear yours. And then when we get into a relationship, it's like almost like a breath of fresh air when we can depend on somebody, when we can trust somebody, when we can feel like they're going to support us. And I think this softens people to the point, especially, and I'm, I'm speaking marriage, like when I analyze marriages, it's just like you get so caught in your own ways and depending on the other person for that thing that they do for you that you lose sight of growing yourself and really taking ownership over, okay, I get supported by her or him in this certain way, but I don't want to be dependent on them for my whole being, yeah. my happiness. And that's the... That whole like ownership topic is one that has improved our relationship a lot and is one that like I think that we remind ourselves of whenever we do catch ourselves. I have a great example. Like I used to depend on you. Like you move a lot in a more organized, it's not slower. I don't know what the word is for it, but like I'm so monkey brain and you're very much the person that calms that monkey brain down. And I used to use you and lean on you to be the person to be like, nope, we're not going to do this thing tonight. We're just going to restore and recover because you're good at saying no to those things and doing that. And I'm not. And what I started realizing was that would create resentment over my lifetime because I couldn't do that myself. It was basically, I wasn't happy with myself and being able to say that. So it would, it would bleed into our relationship in other ways versus once I start meditating, ice bath, sauna, journaling, writing, and doing these ways where I feel like I can slow down myself and I can say no to certain things myself. I'm not dependent on you. Like a great example is you're about to, you're about to fly out today and I have four days. I could rack my schedule up and ramp it up versus I purposely have not done that because I've learned from you and seen how you've done it to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success in that arena. So that's I've, I'm always trying to give practical examples. So you're saying that when I'm gone, you can. I can work still all say no, is what I'm oh, saying. Okay. Because I've learned from you that me going to dinner every single night just because you're not here, I don't truly want to do that. Okay. But I used to not be able to ha know how to say no to that. And I would burn myself out. So you're saying that your difference is having. I'm saying I used to use you as a crutch to say no to things. I was dependent on you. That's a, oh, a sign okay. of dependence. Okay. okay. I was trying to understand where you're going with that. I got it. Yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to give a practical example here of dependence. Okay. In a little in a small way. Like it's not like people think of dependences in like this person owns my whole life. Like, no, it's always small little ways that you're dependent on that person. Now, if I had let that fester for my whole life, who knows what it would 
crack into. Yeah. And I think the fact that you've reflected enough to understand that about yourself is a good skill and behavior as well. And that leads to just reflection in general and self-reflection and ownership of when there is some struggle in a relationship with someone, understanding that you are just as much a part of the problem as you are the solution. I think a lot of people, and this is what I've seen when I saw other poor examples of relationships in my life, um, it's always thinking that things aren't working because someone is some way when together you are some way. And until both parties understand who they are and why they do what they do, you can never fix what's showing up in the relationship together. So for us, it's been a lot of like, okay, why do I do this? Or why do you do this? Or why are we even arguing about this in the first place? And it's like, well, you did this and then you did that. And it's just understanding why for everything so that we can actually correct what's leading to the argument part. How does that impact dependency? What do you mean? Like I'm trying to keep on our themes. So what you just said, how would that help somebody either become more independent or acknowledge that they're dependent in certain ways? How would taking ownership for your behaviors cause you to be less dependent? That's what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying, what is the thing that we're talking about right now? Ownership. No, we're talking about dependency. That's what no, we were I moved just talking on. About. <laughs> Ownership's not even a theme. Oh, blame and pointing fingers. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, you, you threw me off track there. Yeah, so I was saying, I think that that, that in it, itself, like having re self-reflection and ownership of why you show up the way you do in certain scenarios is the only way to truly get over arguments or else they're going to keep showing up in other ways. Like you can't just expect that if you don't reflect on the problems that you're bringing to the table, that someday if the other person changes what you don't like about what they're doing, that things are going to get better. Why does that happen in the first place? What does what happen in the first place? Why does lack of self-reflection happen in the first place? Because we don't want to take fault. We don't, we don't want to feel like we are part of the problem. It's easier to say that somebody else is. Why is it easier? She doesn't you like tell when me. I do this. <laughs> you tell me why it's easier. She's always like, stop quizzing me. I, I want to know from you, like... I feel like you bring a lot of value to the audience and a lot, and it's sometimes like pulling teeth to get you to respond. Even three seconds ago, when you were rolling your eyes at me going into this topic, this is something that I think challenges you and stop throwing the question back at me when I ask it. Why do you feel people lack self-reflection? Because people, why do you so think I'm thinking of somebody in my life who I think has this problem right now. And I'm not going to mention go. any names. There we go. Why couldn't you say this two minutes I'm ago? I'm not going to mention any names, but I think that this person has a lot of trouble realizing that they themselves have work that they can do to improve the situation in their relationship. But it's easier to just assume that the reason why they feel the way they do about their partnership is because the other person is a certain way. And it just if the other person just changes, things will be better. But what people don't realize is that the fact that you even are uh, assuming that the person is the only part of the problem is the problem. So I think having this Nothing changes if nothing changes. Like the ball just moves further down the field. So if that person changes and you never change, nothing's going to change. Right, right. So I think the way that, and like seeing this example in my life and then having it be a great reminder for me when, when things show up in our relationship, I'm always like, okay, why, why is this bothering me? Or like, why do I feel like he has to change the way this certain thing happens or he's talks? Do you like have this. any examples? Uh, yeah, I think a good example is when you are actually trying. So now that I've learned <laughs> through a series of times where this has caused some tension between us, where like you're just trying to help me in certain scenarios by pushing me to either do more or be more or go after something that technically you think I deserve. 
but the way you say it is so like aggressive. And I think that pushes me away. And I'm like, I don't, I like, I don't want to be like yelled at about this certain thing. And you're you. And like, I think for many times I was like, I can't, I cannot have these conversations with you if you're going to just yell at me about what I'm doing. And you've been like frustrated by that because you're like, I'm not yelling. I'm just caring about this. And I've asked myself a lot more recently, like, wow, isn't his pushing me one of the things that I love about our relationship? Like, why is it that I get so bothered by the way that you talk to me about this? And I think it comes down to a lot of like, I want to feel like what I'm doing is the right thing all the time. And when you come at me in this like aggressive, like, no, like you have, you have to do this or you have to do that. Like, yeah, sometimes you could probably change the delivery of the message and it might be better received on my end. But I think a lot of my hesitation and resistance to those conversations was because I was expecting, and it goes back to the expectation conversation of you to just validate and be like, great job. Like, I'm so proud of you, like all the time. But and I don't you, want that. The reason you do want that though is because your inner child. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, you that's didn't where receive I'm going. that. So you want that. Potentially. I think. But that's where you crack the code. If you can get over the, the fact that I give that to you in certain scenarios. And this is also the thing that human nature is like, if 10 things go right and one thing goes wrong, what do we focus on? The one thing that went wrong. Right. So when we're sitting here talking, and I think some of the things that I can do better is like, this is where the blame comes in. So we're on the theme of blame is you'll blame me for being aggressive. And then I'll blame you for not being tough enough to just hear what I'm saying for word for word. So if we were to write my words down, I'm never abusive in terms of language or calling you names or anything like that. Like if you wrote the words down, it's my tone my passion, and yeah, I view it as passion, like. that you seem to have an issue with. And you're focused more on how I'm saying it rather than what I'm actually saying and thinking in your head like, wow, if CJ, like I've seen CJ not passionate about things and then I've seen him passionate about things. Wow, it is nice to have somebody that really gives a shit about what I'm doing. Can he change the way that he's saying things? Yes. But, but if you think, point your finger at me. Let me add to hold this. Up, let me finish. Okay. If you point your finger at me, then I get my alerts go up and I'm like, this is not what I mean. I get defensive because you're pointing a finger. Rather, I think this is a great conversation topic because over the years we've gotten, this is probably the area that we've gotten the most improvement. improvement I, in. And I was going to add that what has got us to improve the the way that we communicate around these, these type of conversations is your ability to understand where I'm coming from and vice versa. And that is what I think mm. a lot of relationships Empathy. need to do is actually understand who people are. And like you said, like you brought up my upbringing. And so maybe it was you just taking the time to really understand what I've been through and like, why I have certain programming and yeah, maybe it's not the way I should be today. And I'm, I'm working through certain things like we all are, but having that awareness for, but why does that person have a tendency to do X, Y, and Z? And then just understanding so that you can then respond in ways that and are better together. So, I mean, there are, t and I'll take ownership. Like this is the theme we're talking about. Like there are times that I've been, I've technically been aggressive and it's because this is uh, what I feel is one of my superpowers of like helping people see more than they see themselves as. And I've seen the work that I've done lead people down a path that makes them happier and healthier. And I get frustrated when the person closest to me that's supposed to love me the most, that's supposed to trust me the most feels as if that's not what I'm intending for her. So that created a void earlier in a relationship because I was like, I have this gift that I feel like I can help people with. And the person that I love the most and that is the closest to me doesn't even want this gift. That's how I used to feel versus now we're almost four years into our marriage and we do a lot of these conversations behind closed doors. I can understand where you're coming from. I also think 
time and place. I think I've gotten way better at time and place of these conversations of understanding when is the right time to talk to you about these things and when is not the right time. I've also taken a step back and I mean, you're working with other people this past two years, like you've started to hire coaches and, and other ways of hearing almost exactly what I'm saying, but from somebody else so that like I can say it in a reduced tone. I used to want to say something and you immediately do it. And that's an expectation, right? Versus now it's like, we can have these combos. And in my head, I'm like, okay, like this is just something we're going to work on over the next year or two. It's not now. And that is another issue that I've, I, I've had. And I think we both bring into the relationship is we want things now. Like we are go-getters. So when it comes to pointing fingers and blaming people, I have had an issue of, if we talk about something and we're talking about changing it, well, I'll point the finger at you and say, well, you haven't done shit. And that's not necessarily the right approach in a lot of these things that we are doing. That's not life in a nutshell. It should be a much more methodical conversation. Yeah, so I think an actionable piece of advice from that conversation around ownership and reflection is whenever you find yourself in frustration with your partner, ask yourself, what can you do? And what can you reflect on about your own tendencies to show up in this way of causing, like, cause when there's frustration, that's something that you can control as well. So not only to reflect on why you have the frustration in the first place, but how to get out of it. So like, maybe it's just that your partner is going to take a little longer to get through whatever it is that's causing them to be upset. So maybe it's just having the self-awareness and ownership from your end to say, I know that about that person, so I'm going to give them some space instead of, I'm going to keep pushing them because why should they still be frustrated about this when like, it's so easy to see that just do this, this, and this. When I think that's where, like just going back to summarize, we've done a better job of understanding how we each are and the time that we need to to get through certain situations. I would agree. And it's interesting because you mentioned controlling emotions. That's our next kind of theme that we want to riff into is inability to control our emotions and letting our, our individual days determine our relationship that day. And I think a lot of people bring the stress of their job or the things that happen during the day into the relationship rather than I think what we've tried to do over the years is how do we have that person integrated into our life in a way that even if I'm having a bad day, that person is the light of my day. And yeah. And how, how, what have been some ways that we've done that? I think like, so going back to your initial of like you walking through the door after a long day of work, I think like, so again, this goes back to the empathy that you were just talking about, where I started thinking about like, okay, I know what it's like to commute every day. I've done it. And what is the bar for her walking through the door? What do I need from her so that I feel connected to her at the end of the day? I don't need anything lavish. Also, what can I do to make her feel better as she's walking through the door? So it's like, okay, well, why don't you start even before you got in the car? So a good instance is what we do now, both of us do this, is if either of us is out or either of us has kind of like a little bit off of a schedule. So I know when you generally come home, but if you're coming home a little bit late, it's like, I'm going to call you. I'm going to say, what can I do to set you up for success before you get home? Is that cooking something? Is that cleaning something? Is that meeting you somewhere? Is that going to get groceries? What is it? And I don't think we used, we used to not do no, that yeah. at all. And now... I think humans in general are reactive. We used to react versus now we're proactive where instead of asking you why, like you love to call me on the phone when you, when you get in the car. But I think that was causing conflict because I would rather say at 4 p.m. before you even get in the car, what's, what's the dealio that's about to be happening? So I can then adjust. And I think that's one way that we've, we've really learned how to control our emotions is by setting ourselves up to win the day every single day as a partnership 
So even if you had a bad day or a good day at work, I'm doing these habits or these systems that are setting us up to win. So say you have a bad day and it's 4 p.m. and I text you and say, hey, like, what can I do for you before you get home? Now, you're innately your emotions are going to be different than if I never texted you that in the first place. Then you get in the car and you've had a bad day, you're stressed, and then you walk through the door like any stressed out person would. And then if I had set that fantasy expectation of, and I didn't know that you had a bad day, or I didn't know that something's stressing you out, I'm setting this expectation where I don't even know what went on in your life that day. And boom, conflict. Right. And that used to be our life. Yeah, so I I think it's a lot about understanding that person's day and understanding what that person needs to feel good so that your time together is spent in the best way. And this is interesting because that's something like new that a marriage brings. You see your best days and you see your worst days forever, right? And you see every moment in between those days too. And in a relationship that may be new, I think the difference is you're spending limited time together and in that time that's being spent, you show up as like your best self. But in your marriage, like how do you keep that going? Because you see all those in-betweens and you have all the other impacts of your day and things that might throw off your energy. And so I think it's one, being really clear about what throws off your energy and how to not make that happen. Like take control of what you can take control of. And like, so for me, it was having that realization that sometimes I was letting things in my day impact how I showed up when I came home when I shouldn't have let that control my energy when I came in. It's like, let it go and focus now on the fact that you're home and what are you going to do in your home now? And I think that that's the key is like people think, it kind of does tie full circle back to the expectations of when you are in an early relationship and you're spending the high points of your life, like the weekends with this partner, but then you decide you're going to take the next step and enter the next phase of your relationship. Maybe it's a marriage, maybe you're moving in together. Well, don't forget that you're going to now see every, every high and low of that person, right? So how can you continue to share those high points that made you attracted to them in the first place? And how do you work through the lows together? What you just said, it makes me think about that's what you want. I think when people, again, starting at the end, thinking like, I want to get into a relationship to then make it a deep relationship, then potentially go to marriage, is I want the human experience of seeing the lowest of lows and the highest of highs with somebody else. And that's something I don't think gets thought about enough. We only think about the wedding. We don't think about the marriage enough. The flash and cash versus the reality. And the reality is every single day, both of you are waking up and busting your butt to bring your dreams to life. And life is going to throw curveballs at you. And a lot of those times we get in our own way because we are unable to control our emotions that were bestowed upon us by things that were are really out of our control. So the things that are out of our control, someone cuts you off while you're driving to work to and from, flat tire, that's something that Aaron and I yeah, with our car all the time, wake up. And that's another good one. Like I feel like we've gotten really good at like, okay, we wake up and you have a flat tire. That used to like bend us both out of shape because I'd be like, oh, I got this meeting. And then you're like, oh, I got this presentation at work versus we immediately jump into, okay, what's what's the solution that's going to unify us and make this the best that it can possibly be right now? Like, what do we have to do to just check this off and then continue as a unit? Right. And that I've seen, I've witnessed, I've felt, and it's been awesome because I think it stems from our ability both to control what we can control. And that's that immediate reaction, that fight or flight response. Misalignment, basically not being open and honest and transparent about the goals. Everything in this stems back to expectation of self or somebody else around you. And misalignment for me, what I've witnessed from people is them not giving themselves the time. So maybe they jump from relationship to relationship to relationship or can jump in a million different ways. They're not 
figuring out themselves enough to understand what it is that they want from life. And then five to 10 years go by and then they're like, oh shit, now I know what I want, but they've already kind of trapped themselves in a certain life and lifestyle with somebody else. Yeah, I think big ones that come to mind are like, obviously, do you want a family? Do you want to be locked down in a house or do you want to just travel and, and not be tied to a certain home base? How early on in a relationship does somebody talk about these things? I don't know. I mean, me personally, I would I would like to talk about that sooner rather than later. But I would say it depends. Like, if you know what you want, then why would you hold back from talking about that? That's a great question. Why would people hold that back? Potentially because they feel like when that person finds out how they truly feel about or what they want, that maybe that person will disagree. I don't know. But I was going to say a good example for our relationship was like the fact that the house we're living in right now is something that we both decided was going to be for an investment purpose and that we would sacrifice a little bit because it's, you know, kind of like a smaller space and we wouldn't be living here very long and that eventually, you know, we would wait and see whether we wanted to stay in Austin or whether we would find something that was more like what we would want to call a home. And that was something that obviously you were very adamant about wanting to invest in real estate and go down this path. And I was interested in it, but I think for me, like my perception of when I got married wasn't like before actually asking myself these questions, it was like, oh, I just assume like we'll get married and then we'll find a house and, you know, go the the way that most people go. And it was being open and honest about like, well, do we really want to do this other kind of non-conventional path of let's try to get into the real estate investment situation and do that. And like, yeah, it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable at times. And yeah, we might be moving around a lot, but if we both know what the end goal is, then we can make it work. And so was, this is an example for us that's been a good way for us to just keep practicing that open, honest, transparent, like what is the end goal here again? And then making sure that we're both aligned to that. Why is the end goal important though? The end goal is important so that you can align your expectations and you can start appreciating what you have rather than expecting fantasy. And I think even with this house, you brought, up, you brought that up in, in the beginning just to give context, we outfitted our house in a certain way that I wouldn't outfit my home. Such and as like like we don't have a really good co-working setup. Like right. it's a stressful setup. I don't have my I have cords everywhere and things everywhere, but that's because I know we're leaving. So I'm not gonna spend time building out something and then having to take it the stress of taking it down and then whatever. I'm just gonna wait and understanding my expectations right now, I can't get stressed about this because this is the path that we had set. So I think once we were aligned on that expectation, it wasn't as grinding of gears. And I think for a lot of relationships, it comes down to asking yourself, what is it that you want out of life and what is it that you need? So what are your non-negotiables? And for us, I think a lot of the non-negotiables just go around how's our sleep? How's our health? Like, how are we showing up every day? How do we feel every day? And when you set your non-negotiable around that, you're like, oh, the house is just an added plus. We live in a crazy market right now. So right now we're going to be looking for tenants. We start asking ourselves, okay, if in the future this becomes too stressful, would selling the house yeah, be in alignment. Having those hard conversations. Like yeah. having those hard conversations earlier on so that when you get to that day of the hard conversation, you already know, like, okay, we're both on board with whatever happens. It right. is what it is. So that's the number one thing that I could say other people should be doing is having those conversations prior to the days that those tough things happen. And when the tough things happen, you're just like, you let it roll off your back because you've already had a conversation around it. Exactly. Now to end. How do somebody get in alignment? Because I believe somebody, for a relationship to be aligned, people have to be aligned in their own way. So I'd love for us to end here, just if you could give one minute, like how does somebody find the alignment in themselves and in their life? Because I think this is a good way to wrap up everything we just talked about, where if you're aligned with who you are as a human being and you understand your own expectations of the world, you're going to have a better relationship in general. So is there anything practical you give 
give people to find more alignment within themselves to then find alignment in relationships? Yeah, I think finding alignment is removing resistance from your life. So kind of goes back to the ownership conversation that we had around just reflecting on how we show up every day. If you find that you're showing up every day in a resistant way, or if you're irritable in certain situations, it's having the awareness to understand when that happens and why it's happening. And so once we can figure out certain environments or certain parts of your day-to-day are causing this reaction from you or a response of irritability and frustration and resistance, how do you get away from that? And sometimes I think we focus too much on, I just want to be aligned, so I'm going to keep adding things. And I'm going to add things that feel like they're going to make sense because they seem like something I would like to do and, and have in my life. But I think we're, we need to start asking ourselves more of how do we remove what doesn't feel right? And then maybe that's where the alignment happens because everything else is supposed to be there. So when you remove what's wrong, you get more aligned. And then I think if as a partnership, if both of you could constantly be reflecting on that, and I think we've been doing that a lot, especially lately of internally just continuously asking ourselves, what else do we have to remove? What else do we have to remove? And then that, in, as a result, we show up better as more whole to the other person. I like that. And it goes in line with kind of the last statement that I wanted to say, which is learning how to compromise. I think that someone, especially like me, who is an entrepreneur and is a go-getter and likes to build things and, and do my own way, learning how to compromise with yourself and understanding that like there's only 24 hours in a day. That was a huge struggle that I used to have, which is like you could do anything, but you can't do everything. So there's a compromise to that. So even in your relationship, it's, I think for me, dialing into how many hours a day do I get to spend with Aaron? And how do I have to align everything else that's in my life around that? Because that is my top priority. And that's where I didn't understand that until I started looking at myself and like saying, I got to compromise somewhere. And that means saying no. And that's why I wanted to validate what you just said, I'm in a wholehearted agreement with that. It's like I started saying no and letting go of a lot of things so that I could align more with us as a whole. And I think whether you're male or female, this is something everybody needs to start doing where I think technology and these other things where it's like you want it now, you want it fast, you want it cheap, and you want it your way has kind of conditioned us to believe we're going to find that perfect person and we're not like they don't exist. And I think we could have talked a lot about this, but compromise and sacrifice are two big areas where you have to constantly reflect, like, where am I compromising and where am I sacrificing? Like, is that equal on both sides? Because the minute that it's not is a minute that there will be problems down the line. So I think it doesn't have to be equal at the same time, but I think through different times of your relationship there should be it goes back to the expectation like we've gotten in trouble in our relationship because you think you're sacrificing in this big way and then once we communicate and i tell you how i feel like i'm sacrificing you see my side and then you're like or vice versa same thing i think i'm sacrificing in this big way and then i hear it from your side and i'm like oh wow i got this story completely wrong and that comes, again, from empathy, expectations, and communication. and communication. So I think if there's one thing that you can take away from this episode, it's really what we ended on. It's like figuring out your, yourself and your shit first and understanding that you cannot set these fantasy expectations in your life for yourself or for those people around you. And society has a good job of setting expectation on like your grades, your jobs, your career, your certificates. But when it comes to relationships and you wanting to spend, quote unquote, the rest of your life with somebody, there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. But what's going to make you strong in that relationship is understanding how are you aligned with that person and what type of expectations are you both setting on yourselves so that you can show up better as a unit. So happy Valentine's day. We're going to have another couple on here, 
hopefully in next week's episode. But for now, any final words, Mrs. Finley? No, I think that was it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I hope all of you have a wonderful rest of your week. If there's anything you could do to help this podcast, share this with a friend or family member that is either looking for a relationship, is in a relationship, is in a marriage, we'd love to hear your feedback. This is a good modality for us to get better in our own relationship. And we look forward to chatting with other people and helping them thrive on life. Until next time, this is CJ Finley. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.